Hello and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Hmm. Today, there is a subject that we are all prepossessed by in one way or another, to one extent or another, and that is the COVID-19 pandemic, the strain of virus that has taken the world by storm, not any one single country, but in fact, most all countries, and certainly everywhere is touched and influenced and now shaped by what's going on, because all aspects of life are being influenced. We've been told that we need to stay home, shelter in place. We are told that we have to keep all surfaces clean, ourselves and hands washed many times per day for a minimum of 20 seconds and probably better double. And we're told to keep a distance from each other. It started with an idea called social distancing. Here at A Better World, we have been more promoting the idea of physical distancing and social closeness, uh, if not intimacy. Uh, And the distinction should not be lost on anybody. Uh, This is a time when we need to be closer to each other in whatever ways we actually can and cultivate friendship, cultivate connection, intimacy, love, and uh, the goodness that interacts and interconnects us all. So, uh, certainly we don't want to be distanced from each other in the ways we can be close. Some of that is by telephone. Some of it is by uh, the communities that are developing all over the world through the Internet, through, yes, Zooming. We're Zooming in on the things that we need to. And uh, it's a lot of good is happening in many ways because humans are inherently creative, thoughtful, and uh, inventive. And we, um, we adapt to changing conditions. And that's what's kept us alive for these many hundreds of thousands of years that we've been on this planet. So uh, that's the good news. On the other side, I wanted to just take a few moments with you all to take a look at what perhaps are some of the assumptions that are made about COVID-19, about viruses, about what we can do about this one in particular, or you could even say viruses or microbes in general. So I'm going to offer a couple of thoughts Nothing you need to believe, but uh, rather consider that I want to stimulate some thinking about this very important salient subject. So, first of all, we don't even know really what a virus is. The standard conventional medical wisdom if I may use that word, is that it is an entity, a part of a protein that actually isn't alive. It's not a life form. It doesn't have life force. 
well, it seems awfully active for something that has no life force, but I'm not a doctor. Um, I'm not even formally a scientist. So uh, what I do want to raise is the subject of thinking that we know what a virus is, and what we know is that it has certain kinds of behaviors and interacts with its host in a series of different ways. Uh, Some of them are predictable and many are not. And different viruses and different strains behave in different ways, just like human beings do and animals do. So to say that we know a whole lot about any of them, including influenza or uh, any, may be overstating the point. If doctors don't come up with some reasonable hypothesis, they're not going to be looked at with great authority, which they really want to be, and to be seen as people who know what they're talking about. But in reality, we know a whole lot less than we think we do. And there's always more to know. And that's nothing new to say. But it is new to have the humility to admit that we really don't know. So, for instance, we have this idea that uh, this particular virus can spread through what are called droplets. Yet it always puzzled me that since those droplets are in the air, why it would then not be considered that the virus is therefore airborne. But the official word was that it was not. Well, then how could it get from one person to another if not through the medium of the air? Puzzling. How do we reconcile this? Okay. It is through the air if the whole notion of droplets is true, that is, and uh, or from sneezing or walking, you know, being in someone else's presence through breathing, uh, you know, all I can say is there are a whole lot more question marks than there are uh, real solid scientific knowledge or even from that point of view empirical, that could be stated unequivocally. You know, there was a case of a choir. I don't remember exactly what state it was in right now. And they never thought it was airborne, despite the fact that it travels through the air by droplets. Let's put that aside for the moment. And through the rehearsal or the performance, of the choir, several of the uh, singers were found to be infected afterward. So the conclusion was drawn virtually immediately that it is airborne and we need to be physically distanced from each other. And this was part of that story, that proof, if you will, evidence of why we needed to stay away from each other. I mean, it was thought of that, it was thought of before, but this just further, you know, should I say, 
put another nail in. <laughs> I don't want to use that phrase right now, but you know what I mean. So then the phenomenon of masks came in, that we're not even just protecting ourselves by the wearing of masks, but we're protecting others. Why? Because of the assumption is droplets and that it is now considered airborne. Wow. However, there are other phenomena to take into consideration. One is that some people, even on the ships that were docked and the people unable to deboard and come on land, some were in a cabin with someone who was infected, and the other person sharing the room with them did not get infected. And they're within greatly close proximity. Some people on board the ship, even though they were there together sometimes for over a month, got infected. And again, others did not. So how do you reconcile all of these differences? At first they said the elderly were most at risk as a population. And then they found that people of all ages and backgrounds were also getting infected. Okay, well, so much for that assumption. Then it was found, and this one has resonance with me, that people with depressed immune systems or who are immune compromised or who, uh, I don't like this phrase at all, but are said to have comorbidities uh, are the ones at risk. Now, that makes sense to me because that's in accordance with the old understanding that came to us around the time of Louis Pasteur from a man, one of his antagonists, primary one, Beauchamp, who said, yeah, there are germs everywhere, but germs don't actually cause disease. Germs are ubiquitous. They always have been and they always will be. What distinguishes one person's level of health from another is the education, if you will, and thereby the strength of their immune system. If their immune system is strong and robust, which, by the way, means when I use the word education, educated, that means that they've come into contact with lots of germs, i.e. lots of bacteria and lots of viruses and lots of molds and lots of yeasts and lots of fungi, and they have been able to develop antibodies. They've been able to send, you know, killer cells, leukocytes, etc., to the sites of, you know, infection, and they learned to deal with the so-called attack. That's the way the system works. You know, you could say one way of framing it is that we are constantly at war with other aspects of our ecosystem. They are eating us. We are eating them. You know, everything is lunch wherever you look. And everything is getting educated about how to deal 
with a, a war environment. That's one way of thinking about it. And I'm not saying it's the only one at all. In fact, now I'm about to offer another one. Everything you could also say is in harmony with everything else. And part of that harmony is that we cohabit with everyone, all the bacteria, all the parasites, all the yeast and mold and fungi and everything else inside us. We coexist. And we, in turn, coexist with all of the animals, other animals, I should say, in the forest, in the so-called wilderness, all the other life forms on the planet. And we coexist. We've harmonized with the understanding that everything has to eat each other in order to live. God set it up that way, apparently. You know, now, if you were to ask me what I have wanted to conceive of a possible way of living and surviving that did not require us eating other life forms, even if it were a plant, um, I would say, let's think on that one, you know. But this God, this divine intelligence, this universal uh, ecosystemic uh, set up, set it a different way, set it up differently so that everything is always eating everything else. And you could say when we harmonize with that, we are harmonizing with nature. We're harmonizing with nature outside of us and we're harmonizing with nature in us. As I've said so many times, as have so many other people, that the number of cells in us are dwarfed of human cells, are dwarfed by the number of bacteria that are in us. Other microbes far outpopulate human cells. So you are given to ask the question when you ask, who am I? Am I my bacteria or am I my human cells? Well, you know, really the answer is you're all of them. You're all of it. You're in fact, we are all in fact, all of everything. Not to go too far or to get too metaphysical, but let's be honest. Even physics recognizes the truth of this. There is a unified field, and we are an intrinsic, integral part of it. Not less, not more. Absolutely 100% part of the whole. We think of ourselves as above and beyond all other life forms, more intelligent. Well, why are we the only ones then destroying the bloody planet? Why are we the ones that get smitten by a virus if we're so damn smart? On and on and on. I'm not going to go further down that path. I think you see where it leads. It's not pretty. But there are others who are pretty smart. And they know how to accord and align the Taoists, in some ways the Buddhists, uh, the indigenous people for sure all over the planet, the medicine men, the medicine women, the shamans. These are people who have spent their lives essentially seeking harmony, internal, external. One recognizes that there ain't much of a difference. It's a convenient linguistic uh, nuance, if you will. Perfectly fine, a linguistic convenience of 
organizing reality, and it's very practical, actually. No problem with it. As long as we realize that there's one unified field, in, out, up, down, east, west, etc., COVID. We see that we have been uh, like mediaized. I think that's going to be a new verb, mediaized, meaning these mainstream media companies have bills to pay. And the newscasters are paid small fortunes for sitting around making people hysteric, hysterical. And that is, in fact, what has happened. So they are counting the number of body bags and they're counting the number of ventilators and they're counting the number of people who are dying. When this is tragic, there has been major mismanagement of this whole thing in the United States from the top and if people can't see that, boy, I really pray for their soul because and their minds because it is staring at us in the face. After all, why have a federal government if it's not going to act at times of crisis, not hit and miss, not, oh, states, why don't you take care of it? Now, I know we have people listening from all over the world, so please indulge me, but it happens that the United States is considered, or it has been considered, a leader of nations, and uh, it is the materially wealthiest, but it is truly impoverished in so many other ways, including its healthcare system, and certainly including its leadership. This is not leadership. This is cult worship, and I really think we need to make the powerful distinction between these. There is a small group of people in the United States who think this guy can do no wrong because they don't know how to look. They don't know the background. They don't know his history. And he appears to be one way, but he is truly another. And it's sad. It's sad. It's sad. It's sad. This is the behavior of a profound truly pathological narcissist. Let's admit that there are uh, degrees of narcissism and there isn't a soul that doesn't have a smidgen of it in themselves. That's okay. There could even be something called enlightened self-interest. Okay, so I'm not condemning that. People have an interest in their own self-preservation. When they get a little smarter, they recognize that uh, self and other are one, that to take care of someone else is also in turn taking care of oneself up to a certain point, certainly. That cooperation, that bonding, that the release of oxytocin, that laughing and loving and smiling and storytelling and making music together and dancing together are those bonding uh, elements that have kept our species alive through thick and thin when we were being predated in the forests and the woods and the wilderness when lions and tigers and bears were chasing us we learned how to bond and protect each other and that not survival of the fittest is what kept us alive anyway that's a whole other conversation that I've had with you many times and I've had cellular biologist Bruce Lipton on. I've had Lynn McDaggart on, uh, who is a wonderful um, uh, 
neuroscientific, neuropsychological uh, journalist and investigator and researcher. So, uh, Joe Dispenza, God knows. So, this has been a hot topic here at A Better World for ages. This isn't new. And that will bring us up to another point I do want to make shortly. Uh, But I want you to see that we have been misspoken to, we have been misled, we have been propagandized through the primary element that governments use and totalitarian governments use called fear. And uh, that is what we're dealing with when it comes to this uh, fellow named Trump Uh, We have many other variables at play. His only interest, I think you should really know that, is his re-election. That's all he cares about and being aggrandized, of being idolized and adored by the masses, by everyone. I am convinced, and I've said this on the air many times, as well as, you know, in my teaching and my work with people that he will not be satisfied until the planet itself is renamed planet Trump. No longer planet Earth, planet Trump. Just like he loves seeing his name emblazoned on the largest buildings in any city across the world. Not just nation, not just New York City. So, you begin to see the scale of pathology that we're dealing with. Sure, everybody, again, we have a smidgen of Trump. We were kidding among some friends the other day. We have to get in touch with our inner Trump (laughs) and make peace with it. Well, I think that that's true. I really do. We all have a shadow. We all have a dark side. We all have emotions we'd rather not have and we need to acknowledge accept make peace but also to be disciplined about and not allow our own madcapery get the best of us and you could say that that's the discipline that we are called to as humans because we're animals I like saying to people Not that I like it, but I feel it's true. Uh, Some say we are spiritual beings having a human experience, and I say we're animals trying to have a human experience. And, of course, all of it is spirit. So, you know, that kind of goes without saying to me. But I think that if we can work with our animal nature, we're going to get a lot farther than thinking of ourselves as spiritual, just dabbing in a human experience, Um, I just don't think that that's giving us the ground we need to solidly walk on the earth and make the transformation we need to make in order to be good human beings. And that includes stepping out of self-interest to selflessness. That means serving others. It means being loving and compassionate. It means a whole host of virtuous thoughts and activities. Beautiful. And we do have that as partially an inheritance uh, from our ancestors, which is very beautiful. 
And we also inherit the other stuff, uh, as we say in Chinese, the mishigas, the <laughs> the baggage in Yiddish. I'm kidding, it's not really Chinese. The baggage that comes with our being human. We are, in effect, you know, flawed, and as far as we're not perfect. And any thought of perfection is virtually, no pun intended, an absurdity. And I've been saying that the word, I think, should be ostracized from the English language because it gives a false impression that it's even possible. I really don't think it is, and I don't even think it's going to be desirable because it ain't going to happen. There's always something. As was it Lily, not Lily Tomlin, uh, uh, the other woman from Saturday Night Live always said, it's all when she was a telephone operator. If it's always something, uh, Gilda Radner. If it's not one thing, it's another. <laughs> so, so it goes, you know. Uh, the Sufis who were uh, uh, rug makers, carpet makers in the Middle East over the course of the centuries would put a stitch in the rug that was asymmetrical with the rest. What? They could make it symmetrical and gorgeous at that. But they'd leave one stitch out of place to represent our flaws as human beings. Do we seek to be whole and to be good, if not wonderful and brilliant? Yes. And I think that is a healthy, healthy striving but not to achieve what we would call perfect. I don't know how you can get that on planet Earth. I don't see it. And I don't think it's actually even that important uh, to be fully aware, to be fully accountable, to be as deeply loving and compassionate as possible. Thumbs up. So let's come back to COVID. To be those things, to be that robust as a human being, are all the things that actually help to serve our immune system. And when we think well of ourselves, when we respect ourselves, when we love ourselves, when we enjoy ourselves, when there's pleasure and laughter and kindness being exchanged, lots of humor, beaucoup de humeur, you know, then you have truly a strong system facing any number of different microbes that are seeking to invade and harm and go their way, eating at our expense, if you will, um, inhabiting at our expense uh, to the point that, you know, it could be uh, fatal. Uh, But when one is truly jovial, when one is loving life, when one is eating well and sleeping deeply and exercising much the way the body calls for, well, interacting lovingly with others, whoa, the chances of getting ill become vastly, can one still get ill under such circumstances? Absolutely. We're all going to die. And I think that's important. And someone was being uh, ridiculed for saying that recently, of reminding us of, It just shows, again, how undeveloped 
human beings can be. Don't talk about death. How dare you? What's wrong with you? They are morbid. I say, no, no. Death is part of life. Life is part of death. It's a continuum. It's a cycle. Uh, hello? Uh, were you born yesterday? Do you not know that? Of course you do. So stop fleeing from it. It's okay. We are charged, I believe, with living as long and as healthily as we can. That's part of the game. You're given the charge of go out there and do it. Stay alive and survive and thrive all of the above for as long as you can. And then there will be one day, actually one minute, one moment where done, finished, in the body. The body begins to dissolve. I mean, most people know, don't they, that even in our 20s, our bodies begin to decline. Now, there are many things, thankfully, that we can do to keep it going and strong and regenerative and rejuvenative uh, to, to youth, if you will. Oh, yeah, and I am all for that. I think it's fantastic to uh, take those steps. In fact, what else is there to do? Just kind of throw in the towel? I'm, no. And But that just shows how close death is to us all the time. It's happening in our body. Different levels of decay. I mean, you know, the heart regenerates and basically disintegrates and rebuilds once every three years. The skeletal system, the same thing. The skin is sloughing off constantly, every day. Skin cells, get ready, die. Yes, they die. It's scary. I'm glad we don't have to have a funeral every single time one skin cell dies and parts ways with the living, uh, but uh, it's true. So, what is this all about, Alfie? I think that this, like a lot of other aspects of life, gives us a moment to reflect on our lives and to make peace with our mortality. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to make peace with our bodily mortality. And yes, of course, I make that distinction. We go on, on and on and on, and ad infinitum, in fact. Uh, but our bodies clearly decay. We don't want our soul and spirit to also decay. We want them to become more robust over time, and we use the body as the vehicle for that to happen. Even when the body may be dying, which it is doing, and I just mentioned, all the time, it's also living. It also can get and does get revitalized, refurbished, renewed, refreshed. This is fantastic. That's part of what is within our domains to do. And so when it comes to COVID, rather than be looking way out there for some vaccine that has tons of harmful toxins and 
mercury and thimerosal and aluminum and things that you would never put in your body, ever, ever, skull and crossbones over mercury. But all of a sudden it's okay not to even just take it orally, but to actually inject it directly into the bloodstream. You have to see, I pray, that you can see what is going on. So, number one, take care of yourself. Eat well. Sleep deeply. You need alpha, theta, and delta deep wave rest. You need brain coherency. You need heart coherency. That means meditating, qigong, chanting, singing, walking, running. These are all ways of quieting the mind and bringing it into harmony. And when you're in that state, you are shifting your own body, mind, heart, soul's frequency to a higher one. And in short, as electrical beings, you are positioning yourself beyond this thing called illness. Now, does it work all the time under any circumstance? Because no. Why? Because Different parts of our body, different organs, different tissue, different meridians are all operating at unique respective frequencies. And they may not all rise in concert to be free of all illnesses all the time. It's just that, that notion of perfection. But overall, we can build ourselves rather thoroughly that we are generally in a state of health, which is the word in the Indo-European for wholeness. And, of course, it comes to us through the Greek and Latin. And that's what we've got. To be healthy is to be whole, which means all the parts working in harmony. So, and that's a sacred act, by the way. That's a beautiful and sacred activity to take one's health seriously. And a vaccine is not taking it seriously. You really just owe yourself, if you haven't done it already, to really look. She's word for it. Don't take anybody's word. Look it up. Now, a lot of the data is being skewed, are being skewed out on the internet these days because Google is now in the pharmaceutical industry. Scary a notion that that may be. And they are thereby and therefore skewing the available information, the truth, medical facts, as best they can for their own self-interest. Yeah, scary, scary, but true. And some, you know... uh, whistleblowers, uh, high-positioned people at Google have left. They were uh, appalled by what it is they saw on the inside and left and started speaking. And we know a lot of things about what's going on on the inside because of it. And still, that's probably a fraction of what's really going on. But in just setting up a couple of notices about 
some of what's going on, even when it comes to what we would call objective information. But you can go to PubMed. There are government-based data sources, resources that you can check. And you will see that in the medical literature itself, it shows the harms and the dangers of these substances that are put into vaccines and injected into people's bloodstreams, children's bloodstreams. Now, I'm not going to go into a whole thing about the corruption of the CDC and the corruption of the FDA, but Dr. William Thompson uh, has been caught red-handed dumping uh, large black trash bags of data hiding findings of autistic uh, children, especially for whatever reason, black boys that have reacted adversely to the MMR vaccine and others. And the rate of autism was extremely statistically significant. They saw the results. They didn't like it because they are funded by Big Pharma. They own patents by which they are earning money to pay the salaries. This is where they get the money. They are a quasi-governmental agency. Same with the FDA. I don't know about the USDA, but these are facts underneath the surface that most people don't know. Thankfully, I have a few wise mentors, knowledgeable, who are investigative reporters. They've spent lifetimes, decades, going underneath the veil and checking it out and bringing it back. Gary Null, Richard Gale, just to name a few of those that I listen to, uh, and there are many others that are cracking the code, if you will, and coming forward and sounding the alarms. But most people are uh, not paying attention. They say, our government would do that? Well, I'm sorry to break the bad news, folks, but yeah, and they've been doing it for a long time. But what kind of respectable government would actually uh, cause syphilis in its own people? But in fact, going back to the 1940s, that was happening with black men. They were literally injecting them with sexually transmitted disease to see how they would react. I mean, have you heard of anything so insane? They did the same thing with the CIA and uh, with LSD. And this is just what we know. Who knows what else has happened? I mean, you know, do we have to talk about the assassinations of JFK, of MLK, and RFK? I mean, it just doesn't stop. So what can we conclude I don't know what we can conclude, but we can certainly infer that there's a lot of trouble in River City, that what we're told needs to be taken with several grains of salt. Wherever we look, we need to question authority. And I'm hoping that that's one of the good things that is coming out of this entire thing. I personally believe that we are being set up for a 
mandatory vaccine rollout. Uh, there have been reports over and over again of death certificates being falsified and stating that the cause of death has been COVID-19. I don't know if anybody can actually die of that. I mean, you would think they could if you listened only to the news, but if you listen to certain doctors, they say, uh-uh, it's not the way it works. The presence of the virus can help to cripple the usual functioning of the organs and systems. Yeah, yeah, that can happen. I'm not saying there isn't danger here. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think that we need to simply parse it way more closely. We need to discern what are the causes of death and what are not so we can interact with this phenomenon most effectively. That's what I'm saying. And all of this is whitewashed. And the death certificates are saying one thing, and they have been changed in many cases. And guess what's behind that? I'm afraid you guessed it, folks. Money. More money is given to the respective hospital when the death certificate reads, that's right. They have done autopsies. They have said, there's no COVID in this body. Yet the death certificate still shows COVID-19. These are the kinds of uh, disparities, peculiarities, uh, defiance of common sense that are occurring day by day and hour by hour. The reuse of face masks and of, um, you know, the medical supplies over and over again by very honorable, respectable um, frontline healthcare workers. That's enough to make you cry. Doctors and nurses and others have been complaining loudly, but they're not getting they're not getting heard. Uh, do I think that we should just protect ourselves on every single level possible in because we don't know about this? The answer is emphatically yes. If that means physical distancing, if that means wearing a mask, uh, so be it. Under any circumstance, eating a healthy diet, having lots of supplements these days because the soil is so depleted and its mineral content has been deficient since at least 1933, according to the USDA itself here in the United States. You can be sure the same is true in other countries. We've got trouble in River City. And it is showing us so clearly and blatantly how true it is. Um, so vitamin C, folks, has been proven for over 50 years as a powerful antiviral. And has been proven to work with any number of strains of coronavirus, including COVID-19. It has been used in China effectively. Shanghai has declared that to be an official treatment for the virus. It's being used in Northwell Hospital Chain here in the New York area. But you'll never see this on the news. Why? I think you know why. 
because Big Pharma pays the bills. Big Pharma are advertising constantly on MSNBC, CNN, CNBC, Channel 2, Channel 4, Channel 7, ABC, CBS, you name it. It is, they are everywhere. And you're not going to be hearing about natural remedies that cost, as we say in Chinese, bupkis, cost almost nothing. And everybody on earth could probably afford it, or certainly most people. I mean, literally, it could be less than a dollar a day. It could be 50 or 60 cents a day for even, as Dr. Andrew Saul said on this show, uh, you could be taking the cheapest form of ascorbic acid from, you know, CVS and still be protecting yourself. I personally don't think that is a great idea, but I think that taking uh, a, a larger quantity of vitamin C and vitamin D and zinc and selenium. I have all of this on the website, abetterworld.tv. It's all under one rubric, uh, one posting I have that discusses all of this, where I have articles from uh, Bruce Lipton, Lynn McTaggart, myself. I have an interview, uh, Dr. Saul. I've got interviews with a few of these folks. I strongly recommend it's called the Rational Solution-Based Thinking and Natural Remedies for COVID-19 Plus Results. And there are results, and there's real good science behind all of this. And there's a blackout, literally a blackout, and they are pushing like mad for a vaccine. That's all you hear all over the news. You're being, we're being set up, folks. I just want to make that point. I believe it. I don't know what you believe. I'm suggesting you not believe what I do, but to take these ideas seriously. Take a look. There's some other interesting correlations. Let me just bring a couple out. Uh, One is that there has been identified, observed, uh, that where the, the 5G rollout is largest, there have been the greatest number of COVID infections as well. Well, 5G is eroding and corroding our immune system, something fierce. But you, again, would never know that watching a Verizon commercial or any of the others on TV or on the radio or in the print magazines or online or anything, you would think 5G is the best thing since sliced bread. Well, none of the Gs is healthy, but the difference between uh, 3 and I guess it's 4G and 5 is enormous. The waves are way shorter. They're way more dangerous. The number of uh, cell towers are like essentially every 200 feet. There's so there's so many of them that are needed to deliver that speed of transmission that uh, they are hiding them. They're camouflaging the cell towers because people would go berserk if they could actually see them. They're sticking them in the side of buildings and making it look like brick. That's what's going on. This is the subterfuge being used, the camouflage, 
the underhanded activity of some of America's largest companies. And they don't care a whit about your health or mine. That's not what they're about. They're about making money and competition. The lowest parts of, of humanity. Not making money, but making money from the suffering of others is inhuman, outlawed. Anyway, this is what we're dealing with. So several doctors that have come out and some of these things are being removed by uh, YouTube, which is owned by Google, that there is this high correlation between the presence of 5G uh, and the relationship to that, to covid based infections. I want to bring that up. Now, I've done several interviews with people uh, about this. I've got some information on the website about this. We've done interviews about uh, roundtables on the subject of 5G in itself, and uh, there's information on the site about its relationship to COVID-19. So I would really invite you to take a look about it. Uh, about it. Sure. Now, uh, where did this all come from, man? I mean, what's the origin? I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. I don't think anybody else knows. But I think we could make a couple of interesting, um, uh, not conclusions, but queries. Let's put it that way. Uh, Biowarfare has been something that has been rampant all over the country, all over the world, and the United States is, as usual, a leader in it. China is not doing badly. You know, they probably even, you know, confer about it. I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised. You know, the Russians have a hand in it, the Chinese, of course, and no doubt many other countries do too. It's a very sad, serious matter. Uh, what was that? The Cobra effect was recommended to me by one of my energy medicine mentors 20-some-odd years ago. And I don't read books like that, but I was stunned to see how far developed it was. And that was 20 years ago. Uh, it is truly advanced, and it is very scary. And they love things just like this to control populations. The whole subject of eugenics and of depopulation has been with us for a long time in one form or another. Sometimes it was called ethnic cleansing. And uh, I don't have to tell you that uh, this same kind of um, ethos continues into the present day. There are also major investments having been made by major players, billionaires, in our country who are heavily invested in big pharma and vaccinations. And some of them have talked about vaccinating the entire world and all sorts of hideous things because vaccinations are dangerous. Is there a possibility to have a healthy, clean, um, non-threatening vaccine without side effects? I guess theoretically, yeah. Has it ever come down the pike? Uh-uh. That's unyet. Certainly not yet. Not so. So, be careful. Now, I even personally question um, even the fundamental concept of a vaccine. Uh, 
dead antibodies being injected into the bloodstream? I don't know. I have issues with it. I would way, way rather go with something slightly uh, more um, benign, slightly, to put it mildly, if homeopathy. Or, if you want to just simply build immunity, um, go with, you know, the natural remedy, nutrient, nutritional supplement and dietary regimen I was talking about before, and you'll find on my website. And you can also do things like Qigong and meet with your earth under your feet and meet with heaven above. Now, medical Qigong is a very powerful phenomenon. It has saved the lives of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, even with stage 3 and stage 4 cancer. So no one can tell me that it is not a true medicinal approach. Yes, this condition, because it is. It is. I don't know if we've got data on that now, but we will. And if it works for these other incredibly serious degenerative diseases, could you explain why it wouldn't work here too? I couldn't. Then we also have mind over matter. Mind over matter is something that we are all aware of. Every thought we have gets a somatic reaction. Every thought has a chemical and biohormonal uh, profile, if you will. Uh, when you think of a beautiful uh, you know, beach and ocean, your body begins to get calmer. When you think about Trump, <laughs> when you think about something that annoys you, your body starts to get irritated. I mean, it's one system. I don't know why this is so mysterious. It shouldn't be. It's staring at us in the face literally every passing moment. So when we give ourselves and our body instruction through our mind, through imagery, through word, through affirmation. We begin to materialize that thing. We start to align the atoms in a coherent way that start to actually bring this into manifestation. Um, and, and this is old news. This is ancient wisdom that is knocking on our door. So we have been taught again to devalue the power of our mind so we can take drugs all the time that are handed to us by the pharmaceutical industry. You know that. So if we devalue ourselves, if we disempower ourselves, we are an excellent candidate. Our mouth is open, our hand is perched. Let me buy something that will heal me. Well, yeah, there are external substances that help to heal. That's true. And there are some drugs that have great utility. That's true too. However, overall, it is up to us to be in charge of our health and our well-being. And I suggest that that can be done with very simple things. Remember, humanity is, has been around for a long time before allopathic medicine and before big pharma ever stepped foot on this planet. Okay, we've been keeping ourselves alive with traditional forms of herbs, of acupuncture, of Ayurvedic medicine, of Tibetan medicine, of shamanic medicine, of indigenous medicine, through singing, through drumming, 
through dancing, through storytelling, through laughing, through ritual, through ceremony, through love, through prayer. These are true and real phenomena. Why did we ditch them? Well, many of us haven't. Um, I'm calling for fewer people to ditch it and stop relying. It brings up another important subject before we run out of time here, and that is authority. To whom do we pledge our authority? To, to who do we believe in? Are we going to believe in them? <laughs> the Fauci's of the world? Or the Trumps of the world? Or any of them? Or are we going to believe in ourselves and our own common sense, our own intuition, our own thoughtfulness, our own logic, our own creative mentation? I'm suggesting we go for the latter. That will bring us through. At the end of the day, we have to rely on ourselves, our own inner resources, my friends, for our own self-development, self-cultivation, and no doubt, preservation. And we can take that and be a beam of light energetically to others and help them uplift themselves at the same time. Being a beacon of light, radiating, giving love, being a center and seat of compassion. Oh, my word. What delight. Literally, what delight. Anyway, listen, I want to thank you all for listening. I hope you got something from today. Please contact me directly at mjr at abetterworld.net, mjr at abetterworld.net. I do sessions with people, coaching, biofeedback, which is computerized kinesiology. We have energy balancing programs here at A Better World. Sign up for our newsletter at www.abetterworld.tv, abetterworld.tv. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Thanks so much for joining today. And spread the word. Share this with others. Let them, too, get educated. And I look forward to seeing you all next week. 